Hey, everybody, and welcome to iFreaks, episode number 259. This week on our panel, we have Guy Rambo. Hello from Brazil. I'm Andrew Madsen in Salt Lake City, and we have a guest today. Our guest is Azam. Azam, will you introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, my name is uh, Mohamed Azam. I go by Azam, and I'm located in uh, Houston, Texas. So you have a you have a course, a new course on ARKit, and we actually brought you to brought you on to talk about ARKit today. Um, mm-hmm. ARKit came out. Oh, what is it? Two years? I guess almost three years ago now. It seems like. Uh, and first of all, I kind of want to know why should somebody learn ARKit? What is what is ARKit good for? This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So ARKit, uh, which is the Apple implementation of the augmented reality framework, is I believe a little bit based on the Matayo framework, the company that they acquired before they started working on the ARKit. Um, Matayo company was using Objective-C obviously at that time, and Apple acquired it. They, I think, worked on it for a couple of years, maybe two, three years, and they were finally able to launch ARKit, which I believe in 2017. The different part, I've worked with uh, Wuforia, Wikitude, and AR Toolkit, and Matayo. I think one of the highlights of ARKit is that you can easily get the basic setup of augmented reality application working very quickly. This includes plane detection, horizontal, vertical, even touching on virtual objects and uh, many other things. So it's very easy to get started for anyone. Do you see this mostly be using mostly being used for games or non-games or a little of both? I think it will be a little of both. Uh, I think in the future when eventually Apple will hopefully release uh, the AR glasses, then it will become an integral part of uh, every day-to-day kind of a life. Like if you want directions, instead of looking at your phone or your watch, you just look through the AR glasses and it will showcase the AR virtual uh, path that you have to follow. Uh, apart from that, uh, looking for different, if you have a friend and you're attending a large, large concert of thousands of people, it, it will be much easier to locate your friends. Uh, education has very big benefits, medical benefits. If you want to practice medicine or practice basically where are different kinds of muscles in your body and you can just overlay that on a real body and then you can point out, okay, this is a different muscle and bicep, tricep and so on. So the, I think the possibilities are endless. I've seen some companies using it for things like uh, being able to preview what a product you're going to buy looks like. Um, Ikea, I think, has an app that yes. you see what Ikea furniture will look like in your house, that kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. I saw some job postings at apple.com uh, that looks like they are working on some sort of uh, 3D UI framework that's going to be 
used for AR and VR, they, and they say that in the job description. Uh, what hmm. do you think something like that could look like? Uh, what, 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 what would a 3D user interface be like? I think if uh, they're trying to map out the real world into the 3D world, it will be very, very useful because currently we can even, I mean, we can right, right now detect vertical and horizontal planes, but it is very hard to detect kind of like the frame, I mean, all the different environment on the fly. There are some frameworks that can actually do that. And once we have created that kind of a cloud of 3D-ish mesh of the surroundings, then we can place items more concretely and they can exist over there for, I mean, in the real world. And it, they will behave with respect to the real world also. So definitely interesting. I'm not sure what Apple is working on, obviously. But yes, if they are trying to create a 3D mesh or a 3D cloud of an existing environment, that can be very big and a very big endeavor to, to accomplish because, I mean, they will have to map out the entire world to get this thing working correctly. Well, and even if all they're doing is a AR user interaction, you know, user interface framework, um, if they do come out with something like AR glasses, you need some way to interact with it and get user input. Probably voice can be part of that, but I'm thinking about the HoloLens from Microsoft and they've got sort of a gesture based system for, um, hmm. you know, selecting objects and scrolling and whatever the kinds of things you do with a 2d user interface. Um, that's pretty interesting. I, I, I <laughs> hmm. that would be a fun thing to work on. I think, yeah, I, I'm thinking, I mean, whenever they come out, they obviously Apple do things in incrementally. So when they come out, they I mean, we may be able to see the virtual objects and to interact with those virtual objects, we might have to do something with our eyes like blink or something, which is not really a good interface at all. But after that, in when they do increment or update it again, then we might be able to see uh, some sort of a touch kind of an interface. So we would be able to interact with virtual objects or virtual items just by using our real hands. And we have some frameworks available like Meta 2 glasses. You can actually interact with virtual objects. Although the interaction using Meta glasses is a little bit slow, but if we can do that, or Apple can invest obviously a lot of money in it and a lot of time and effort, I think it can become a very seamless experience. Talk about what ARKit actually provides. It's not a 3D graphics framework. SceneKit does that. So what, what does ARKit actually do? So what ARKit actually provides is it allows you to put feature points around you. So what that means is that it is able to detect where the planes are. And obviously, planes can be horizontal or vertical. But using those feature points and it can detect planes, it can also, in ARKit 2.0, it can detect different patterns like pictures. And based on the picture, it can we can put any virtual object on there. The theme kit, metal, and sprite kit are different frameworks that you can use with ARKit to place virtual objects at a particular position which has been detected by ARKit. Whenever ARKit detects a plane or any kind of other objects, it adds an anchor, like a ship anchor kind of thing, into the virtual, well, into the real space, but a virtual anchor. 
And using that anchor, we can add virtual stuff or attach virtual stuff to those anchors so that they're visible on our, uh, well, augmented reality environment. Um, I have more experience with using ARKit with SceneKit, and it makes life a little bit easier uh, to load different virtual objects and put it on the real world. But you can use SpriteKit for two-dimensional needs or even uh, Metal if you want to just go really hardcore. I always say that working in 3D, for, especially for developers, is harder than it is to work on 2D. Um, mm -hmm. It adds, uh, well, another dimension, so that there's more complicated math involved and stuff like that. What do you think Apple could do to make our lives easier since they've basically democratized the development of apps and, and 2D games? Uh, I, I think we can say that. What could they do to make it easier for people who are like myself, who don't have all this knowledge about how 3D works, which it takes a while, it's a big learning mm -hmm. curve. What could they do to make our lives better in that regard? Sure. So I think with ARKit, Apple has already addressed part of the issue uh, with working with 3D objects. You obviously have to have a little bit of knowledge of like three dimensionals, like uh, if you are doing what are Euler angles and all those kind of things, transformation matrices and all that. But uh, Apple has invested so much time in ARKit to make it available to the user so that people who are trying to just do things, simple things like putting a virtual object on the, on the real world or detecting planes, it's just one single line of code and that's it. You just write plane detection vertical or horizontal or both and that's, that's it, it's done. So it has already moved forward by leaps and bounds if you have used like Bophoria or even uh, AR Toolkit or any other frameworks that are available. That, that was very, very hard to accomplish. Now, one of the things that Apple can do in the future is that we have access to virtual and, I mean, not virtual, but the vertical and horizontal planes, but some things are not horizontal or vertical. So, so things like, which can be represented by a mesh, like a sand sculpture. So all of those things, if those can be detected much quicker and with uneven planes, I think that will take definitely ARKit to the next level. Um, another thing that is a little bit lacking is the sharing of experiences. Google has a different approach of sharing experiences. They use Firebase platform and everything gets uploaded to the Firebase and then they can download it on a different uh, mobile phone so that other people can see the uh, virtual object. But Apple is doing more of a uh, kind of like a sharing with multi-peer connectivity framework in the, in the background. So they can share these experiences, but I believe those experiences are limited to if two users are very close to each other. While Google experience with Firebase and using Firebase for persisting these experiences is limited to, or it's not limited, but it's used for, even if you're in a different country, you can do those kind of things. Um, so those are two or three different things Apple can definitely increase for the future releases. So I, I don't have any real 3D graphics experience, but I have used SceneKit a bit. And I think Apple did a really good job with SceneKit in particular. 
you can get up and running um, building things that are 3D in SceneKit without having to know a ton about 3D. And it, the API is you know, sort of similar enough to what you're used to if you've used the other frameworks on iOS that um, it has a relatively shallow learning curve. You can also do a lot with not very much code to get started, which is nice. Um, so I think they're already, you know, they're already doing good things um, to address the, the stuff Guy brought up. I'm curious about uh, why you might use ARKit um, as opposed to something like Unity. Uh, I, I believe Unity has support for AR. Um, it's probably an abstraction over ARKit, but um, why, would you, why would you actually write ARKit uh, stuff instead of using something like Unity? Yeah, so ARKit can obviously work with Unity, as you said, and ARKit can also work with uh, SceneKit and SpriteKit and Metal. One of the advantages, I believe, with uh, Unity you can get, and I don't really have that much experience with the Unity framework, but one of the advantages is that you can use the Unity Studio, which can be also be used to provide some sort of a uh, terrain. Like if you want to build some sort of a layout which has different kind of terrain, like we have mountains or rivers and all those kind of things, you can do those things in Unity itself and you can animate those things also. So maybe a cloth or somebody's wearing a shirt and it, it's like flowing or with the wind or something. So you can do those things in Unity. Um, scene kit can also do most of the stuff, but obviously, I mean, if you want to do these terrains and all that stuff, then it will be a little bit harder to, to create as compared to Unity. Although I say, I mean, the SceneKit framework is very much easy to get started. And for most of the apps, you can use SceneKit to accomplish anything you like. But there are certain scenarios like if you want to create a Tesla car and you want to open the door of the car and close the door of the car and then apply different colors to the car, that can be done with both SceneKit and Unity, but maybe Unity will be a little bit more powerful because of all the animation features it has and the Unity Studio that it contains. Could you give us some examples of cool stuff you've seen people do with ARKit so far? I mean, I, I've seen some really cool things done with ARKit. What, what are your, your favorite applications of ARKit so far? No, I, yeah, so there are many examples that I have seen, and obviously for all the examples to be seamless, you need AR glasses, which really don't exist at this point. Uh, I think the, one of the things that I would definitely use is the directions. So if you're walking on the street, instead of looking at your phone all the time, the directions would just visible on this laid out onto the real world. And you can see that in Google Maps, I think the latest one that they released, but we have already seen that that was done by Andrew Dent and uh, his framework called ARCL, uh, which is an augmented reality core location framework. You can do all those kind of things. The other examples that I have seen is for kids drawing applications. So if they are drawing on a piece of paper and they're filling out, let's say, some sort of a circle or some sort of a figure of a cartoon, you have a 3D cartoon right in front of them, and as they color the paper, that thing is reflected in the 3D cartoon which is floating in front of them. So if they're coloring purple, the 3D cartoon head will become purple, or if they're coloring pink or whatever, blue, then the, the hands will become pink or blue. So those kind of interactions are, I think, 
really, really amazing. And uh, I think we'll be able to see way more interactions in the future. Um, other examples are museums. You walk into a museum and we're assuming that we, this is like maybe a couple of years from now when we have those virtual uh, AR glasses, we can just look at a wall and there's really nothing on the wall. There's no frame, but it will just appear like a virtual content will appear. And it doesn't have to be a static content. It can be content that is animated. So maybe it's an abstract museum. You go there and you just see these weird kind of formations all animated. Um, maybe in the future, if I have to guess, we won't even have TVs. I mean, you can create an augmented reality TV and run your movies on there and it will be just visible if you're wearing your glasses and it doesn't have any fixed size. You can shrink it or you can expand it at your will. How do you get started learning ARKit? You've never done it before and you want to dive in. So Apple definitely has a lot of good documentation on at least how to get started with ARKit framework. Um, I also do have a course on ARKit, which is on Udemy. It's called Mastering ARKit for iOS, which has like 14 plus hours of content in it. And it will start from the beginning and it will take you to different sections, even uh, showing you how to do maps and persisting your ARKit virtual objects. Um, apart from that, the course also includes a book that if you like reading, you can definitely read that particular book. I think Ray Wendelik also has a great book on augmented reality, which you can check out on his website. Um, but I would definitely start with the documentation of and having learning a little bit about SceneKit. If you are trying to use SceneKit, it would definitely help you uh, because there is also a little bit of a learning curve of SceneKit if you have never used SceneKit. But since I have used Cocos 2D and SpriteKit before, SceneKit was basically very, very easy to learn. I can also suggest WWDC videos. Those are usually... Yes. A high-level overview of what can be done with the API and some best practices. So if you are brand new to a new Apple SDK or Apple API, I definitely recommend watching the relevant WWDC videos. Yeah, especially for technologies that Apple has introduced in the last few years. I think WWDC videos are a great introduction. It's a little harder with it's, with something that's been out for a while because they don't don't do sort of intro to UI kit videos very often. Um, but these new one, you know, where they just announced it three years ago, they're good videos. Have you gotten any work doing AR kit development, Ozum? No, I have not. Um, so I'm in Houston and Houston is not really considered a tech city. Uh, we are a little bit behind every behind everyone basically. So um, no, so not in Houston. There's not much going on in augmented reality in Houston. Um, but from outside of Houston, if you go to Boston, there are a lot of opportunities obviously over there and in California, obviously. But no, I mean, usually I would spend my time creating tons of demos and working on my, on my course. I ask because I teach iOS development and I've actually had uh, a few students now um, end up getting asked about uh, knowing ARKit when they've been wow. you know, looking for a job which has surprised me a little, but it, it's a good sign. And none of that has been game development. It's been companies that are using it for some of the stuff that we talked about at the beginning where, you know, like product tryouts or um, sort of product productivity things, not, not just playing video games. Cool. 
which makes me think I should learn it because I've done nothing with it. Um, and kind of uh, your course kind of inspires me. Yeah, it's definitely fun to see virtual objects and even interact with virtual objects. And there are just so many possibilities. We just, I think we are all just waiting for, for the glasses to see how the experience will be once you put on the glasses. Yeah, I really feel like what we are seeing right now and what we are doing with our uh, phones and tablets, you can think of them as like prototypes for this technology that's still in development and that will be really useful and, and novel when we have a new form factor that takes advantage of this technology, which in this case would be uh, AR glasses probably, which we know from reports and rumors that Apple is working on. Yeah. What's the hardest thing about using AR kit right now? Um, the hardest thing about using AR kit, I think pretty much most of the stuff, I think if you are trying to do detection of shapes that are not horizontal or vertical, then it becomes obviously very, very hard because there's no support in the framework itself to detect uneven shapes. Um, I think apart from that, it's pretty easy going framework. I mean, you can achieve way more with just writing less, less code, or quite, a, quite a less code as compared to other frameworks. Um, I think one thing that Apple may look into again is the multi-peer connectivity, which is allowing two users to have, or even persisting, basically allowing the user to persist an item that is a little bit, it's not hard, but it is not as good as you can expect. It's a little bit flaky. So if you put a chair on the corner of your room and you persist it, and then you get out of the chair and then you come back, the chair should be there. Sometimes you'll see the chair has moved from one corner to a little bit over a meter to some other corner. So that is a little bit in flux right now. I think the other thing is definitely occlusion and there is no real support of occlusion in the AR kit framework. There are some ways that you can achieve that, but once again, those are very uh, confined ways, like you can do maybe a horizontal plane and a vertical, and you can hide stuff be, uh, behind those things. Uh, there are some other framework, like I think it's called D, D3 or something, or DS framework, that you can use to create occlusion, and those occlusions work very, very nicely. Uh, even on uneven surfaces. So these are some things that definitely uh, are hard to do. There are third-party libraries that you can use, and hopefully and eventually Apple will, you know, deal with those things and make them better. I want to go back to your example you gave about the chair that you save and, and you can load the same environment later. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the way, uh, multi-peer connectivity is an amazing framework uh, for our listeners. Uh, if you want to check mm -hmm. it out, you can do some really cool things and it's not very hard. Mm -hmm. I've, I've given a talk about it before. It's really cool. Um, so about the, the example you gave, I've seen the WWDC demo uh, with, uh, where you can share an environment and save an mm -hmm. environment and, and load it again later. I always wondered how does that work exactly? How does it know, uh, for example, that I'm in my living room and not in my friend's living room? Does it use your GPS to, to like associate an environment mm -hmm. with a location? Or can I like load the same environment while I'm not physically at that location 
and it's just going to be all messed up. I think it does take into account GPS, but before saving a chair to that particular corner of the room, you do have to map portion or part of the room so that it knows and it can map or create a three-dimensional map of that environment. So that is kind of like a prerequisite thing, which kind of is, it comes in the way. Like if I want to just put a chair, I'll just put a chair. Why do I have to map the entire room to put a small chair? Uh, so, but that's kind of like a prerequisite in, even if you use Google Framework to do that, the Firebase or even the Apple, you will have to map the environment so it creates a 3D mesh of the environment and then you save that world map wherever you want to save, maybe user defaults or some other place database or upload it on the cloud. And using that environment and the features of that environment, it then basically knows that we are talking about the same thing. I, I think it also uses the GPS. If it's not using the GPS, then if you have the same environment in some other room, it should be able to load that, but usually, it uh, uses a GPS also to know that where you are. Can you, um, let's say I have a, a user and they do the, the, the chair in several different environments, or mm -hmm. let's say the, the living room, the, the bedroom, and, and the kitchen. Uh, is there a way for me as a developer uh, to, like I, I saved the, these three different environments, is there a way for me as a developer to know which piece of data corresponds to the current environment? Or do I have to like uh, tell my user to like pick a room or something like that? So I think it's, yeah, it gets picked automatically. Uh, so if you are in an environment that you have already saved, then if you just look at that environment, uh, it will fire some events loading the world map of that particular environment. That's and that, neat. And that world map may contain the chair that you just added. So yeah, so if you have different environments, all you need to do is to kind of like just go and look at that environment. And if you have mapped that environment pretty well, then you just have to enter that room and it will kind of have a feeling that, okay, maybe you're in this environment because you have already mapped it and then it will trigger some events that you can use to bring your environment to life or load some stuff in the environment. That's really cool. And I suppose if, uh, if the environment changes enough, it's going to notice that it doesn't match anymore. Like if I move a bunch mm -hmm. of furniture around. Yes, if you move the furniture around, then you will definitely have to remap the whole environment again. You maybe covered some of this when I asked you what was hardest about ARKit, but uh, what would you like to see Apple um, add or, you know, announce for ARKit at WWDC this year? I definitely want to see occlusion being added and part of the ARKit framework. I think uh, if they, by adding occlusion, it makes things more real life-like. So I can put, I can just have a real table and I can put some virtual objects inside or underneath the table. And if I'm sitting at the table, I won't be able to see those objects because the table is in the way. So those kind of things are really going to help. And also detecting uneven surfaces. Right now we can detect horizontal and vertical, but I mean, there are some cases of uneven surfaces, I guess, when you're building maybe a game or you're even mapping out some real environment, which is uneven in nature. 
uh, that can also help in certain scenarios. But occlusion will be my first choice because that is just so common throughout, uh, throughout our, our life, our real life. That does seem like a big one. And we know, we know Apple has been working on ARKit because the first release of ARKit, as I recall, didn't have support for vertical surfaces. It was only horizontal surfaces, right? Yes, yes. Apple only had support for uh, horizontal. And I think they added vertical in uh, 2.0 or maybe a little bit before 2.0 or 1.5 or something. They added support for uh, vertical surfaces. You know, I guess it's pretty normal for Apple, but with a new framework, um, there's lots to be done at the beginning. And so hopefully they're continuing to make big changes, big improvements to ARKit. I'm I'm curious to know what you think in terms of hardware, uh, besides the glasses. The, the, the glasses are something that, you know, would be really cool. And there have been rumors that Apple are working on them. But right now, ARKit is limited to uh, iOS devices, iPhone and iPad. And I'm they've done some things that, seem like they're probably at least partly for the benefit of AR, like uh, making dual cameras um, more common across the iPhone line. Uh, are there hardware changes that you think would make um, make iOS devices better suited to AR that Apple could do? I think uh, from the rumors also that I'm hearing is that they are going to add a separate camera or a another camera on the iPhone, which will be I think 3D-ish kind of a camera, which will map the 3D. I don't know what it's going to do, but I think it may be used for mapping our real environment into a 3D mesh and then maybe doing something with the mesh. Maybe, I mean, uploading the mesh. I don't think Apple uploads these mesh or even if they do, it will be anonymous uploads. But doing something with those meshes for, from a iOS standpoint of view, I think they will also hopefully include the uh, depth sensor, but not for the face camera, the the rear camera, so that we can see how close or obviously how far we are. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are only few cases that you can use an iOS device, uh, like an iPhone or an iPad, for an augmented reality application. Maybe you can use it for measuring things, uh, for a measure app. But, uh, but most of the things are tied to variables like glasses. And uh, there, I have a long list of, I mean, things of AR glasses. It, like AR glasses, as I said, able to interact with items with maybe blinking behavior, which is not really, well, which is not really very seamless. But in the incrementum uploads, they will have, that you can interact with your uh, hands, just like a real object. Um, I think it would be nice, and I don't know how it's that even possible, but it would be nice if in the future, instead of AR glasses, we have a device that we just put on our own glasses and it just becomes AR. And I have no idea how they will achieve that if they even want to. But uh, people are tied up to their glasses. I mean, glasses give them kind of like a personality. So I don't think AR glasses will ever have a mass adoption uh, like iPhone. I think it will be kind of like the category of Apple Watches, which somebody, some people have it, some don't. And uh, if they leave it at home and they're in the driveway, they're not going to get it back. I mean, that's how I use my Apple Watch. If I forget, I, I'm not going to go back and get it. So it's not like an integral part of my daily routine. So maybe in the future, uh, it they will have something that pluggable kind of a 
things that you can put it on your glasses and now they've become AR compatible. But uh, right now, I guess the near future will be AR glasses. And from Apple, I think we can hope that they will be expensive. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's it, it, it's going to be interesting to see if they come out with AR glasses, um, how they've approached things differently from some others that have done it. And I'm, I'm thinking mostly right now about uh, Google Glass, which I think was basically a failure. Um, I mean, Google kind of basically shut it down. But I, when I tried Google Glass, I was actually not particularly impressed. It was not a very good experience. And HoloLens, which is a much better experience, but is really pretty big, right? It's not mm -hmm. just a pair of glasses, it's this huge headset. And, uh, and it's also, well, I think the new one's cheaper, but it's still many thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if and how Apple can do something that's significantly better. Yeah, I think the main thing that we as Apple iOS developer will have when the AR glasses will launch is that we have a huge community of developers and as soon as the AR glasses will be launched, they want to, they will jump onto it and create apps for it or improve their existing apps and make it compatible so that you can use it for AR glasses. And that is actually going to drive the real traffic of people buying those glasses. Um, so we'll have to just wait and see that how much our application will have to change, the one that we are developing in AR kit, and how will they fit in the new AR glasses that Apple announced in the future. Yeah, the Apple's developer community is uh, certainly a big advantage for them. I mean, Microsoft has a big developer community too, but I think it's a little differently focused. And uh, it's also mm -hmm. maybe, oh, I'm maybe painting with too broad a brush here, but it's made up less of enthusiasts than yeah. people on Apple's platforms. I think Apple can expect, expect people to sort of jump right in and start doing cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think good. many many developers in in other platforms. Uh, I'm not trying to generalize as well, but uh, I see this difference uh, that they are sometimes more excited about the tech itself than about what you can do with it and uh, how you can make people's lives better with the tech. Um, so I, I I feel like Apple has an advantage that they are usually able to take high tech stuff that's been around already that's not necessarily new but they know how to package it in a way that becomes usable by the masses and i really hope they can do that for ar and, and vr what should we talk about regarding ar kit that we haven't yet uh covered um i think we did cover a little bit of uh, detecting the images and uh, then placing some stuff on the images, like an image detection, as well as the, uh, what is that, the movement of the images detection. So that is some of, some of the feature that they in, introduced in ARKit 2.0, that if you have an image and you have supplied that image to your iOS app, then when you look at that image using the camera, it will place virtual anchors on that image, meaning that you can change that image or you can put stuff on top of the image. So you can consider going to the theater and looking at the poster of a movie that is about to be released, and that poster just coming to life and showing you the trailer of that particular movie. So that is already achievable, and you can easily do that with, uh, with ARKit 2.0, the, the current release that is available. There's also face detection on the newest 
iPhones since the iPhone 10 uh, and I played around with that and you can get some pretty accurate information about the facial expressions the user is making. Cool. Yeah. Is there any direct integration with ARKit and the, the face recognition stuff? Yes. Uh, yes. It is based on ARKit, right? So I haven't really used that much of face uh, detection, primarily because I don't have a latest, or well, by latest I would say iPhone 10 or X. I have the old phone, so I haven't really played around with the face detection or anything related to the depth sensing cameras. So, but they have, yeah, definitely. They, you can detect the face, the eyes, and all that, and then you can overlay virtual objects on top of your face. Like kind of like what Snapchat, I think, does. Yeah, you can even uh, uh, grab an entire mesh of the face. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can like project textures uh, on a person's face. And yeah, that's mm -hmm. what uh, Snapchat is doing, basically. Another thing I would like to ask you uh, is, have you done any work or, or research on integrating other types of uh, image processing pipelines with AR kits, like using OpenCV, uh, maybe using some Core ML and Vision mm -hmm. and integrating those different frameworks with AR kits? Yes, so I have done the Core ML and with the Vision framework. So what happens is that you supply Core ML with some sort of uh, obviously uh, a model or the machine learning model, so it can detect different kind of images, and you can get different models from Apple website, also machine learning uh, page from, from Apple. And once that image is detected using the vision framework, we can put stuff on top of that particular image. So there's a live feed going on, and in the live feed, it is going to detect a particular image, and then you can put overlay stuff on the real things. So this will be really, really helpful if you are visiting a different country and the, the signs on the road are not really what you can read. It's a different language, obviously. And if you just look at them or point your phone at that particular sign and it's going to use text detection to extract that text out, send it to a service, and then convert it using a different service and then overlay it with the virtual reality, I mean, sorry, the augmented reality on top of the actual sign. So you can achieve all of those, uh, all of those things right now also. There was one other thing that I wanted to do, but I haven't really uh, done it till yet, is that this can be used in many other games also. This kind of detection or using the augmented reality to create uh, virtual lines or virtual curves so a good example will be baseball. If you're playing baseball and you're throwing a pitch, if that ball can be detected and tracked by the, the, any framework, then maybe we can also use the augmented reality to see that how the ball actually traveled in air and if it curved or if it didn't curve. So those kind of things will be really helpful for the games also. This is very cool stuff. I wanted to mention that you have, you mentioned earlier, you have a course on Udemy uh, for learning AR kit and you've actually set up a promo code for, um, for iFreaks listeners. Um, will you tell us about that? 
Yeah, so this is a course, it's called Mastering AR Kit for iOS. It's available on Udemy. And I released this course after, in 2017, a couple of months after Apple released the first uh, version of AR Kit. And this course is, uh, is a long course. As soon as I learn things, I add it to the course. It will start from the very beginning and it will teach you how to load virtual objects. I mean, this is a 14 hour course that goes into a lot of stuff, but it, uh, it starts from the very basic stuff, like understanding the whole architecture of the AR kit framework, loading stuff, loading virtual objects from Poly website or TurboSquid or some other models and then interacting with them, animating them, collision detection, and it goes on and on for like loading model from the, from the server, even map uh, using the maps to display augmented reality maps, uh, saving it, and all kind of different stuff, even ARKit 2.0. So it covers a lot of stuff, uh, 14 plus hours of stuff, and uh, you can get it on Udemy. Very cool. And uh, the promo code for, for our listeners is iFreaks, uh, all capital letters. Um, there will be a link in the show notes, and I think that's good for 25% off. Yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's very good. I mean, it's a good code. It's, it's uh, actually a lot. Uh, it's more than half off, I guess. Yeah. So uh, so this is not expensive. I'm always shocked at how Udemy can offer courses um, for <laughs> such amazingly <laughs> low prices. But it's hard hard to argue with that kind of value for you know learning some new skill like that. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, if there's nothing else, I think we will get to picks. Um, let's see, Guy. Do you have any picks for us? Not yet. Come back to me later. All right. I'll come back <laughs> to you. Uh, Azam, do you have a pick for us? Yes, I have two picks. Uh, so I am a subscriber of Audible, and I listen to books on my commute. I have a decent amount of commute every day. Two books that I listen to, which are I highly recommend, is Bad Blood. This is the story behind Theranos, the company. And the second book is the Ameri American Kingpin, which is about the story behind Silk Road. So the, both, both, of the, both books are very, very good. And I'm always amazed as for, uh, for the journalists. I mean, they have to go through years and years of research to find all the things that they are talking about. And it's always just amazing to see that how deep they go into uh, investive, uh, investigative journalism. So highly recommend those books and I uh, uh, hope you enjoyed those books. I can second those recommendations. I, I read them too and uh, they're very good. And um, also, well, particularly the bad blood one. <laughs> I don't know. Kind of makes you despair. <laughs> it's looking valley. Uh, well, I have I have uh, one pick for us, and it's actually a blog post by the people who do P PS PDF Kit um, about why they're not going to be using Swift. Uh, probably not going to be using Swift extensively in PS PDF Kit anytime soon. Um, I think for those of us that are you know, or th th those of us that are Swift developers, uh, maybe especially those that have come to the platform since Swift became the big language for doing iOS development. It's an interesting look at why some companies and teams may still be using Objective-C uh, even for the, the long term. Um, so that that's a blog post. I'll put it in the show notes. Guy, have you come up with a pick for us? Yes, I'm going to pick a YouTube channel. It's called Wenover Productions and it's about geography and it talks a lot about the economics of 
airline companies and trains and things like that. It's super interesting. Every video is very well researched and produced. So I definitely recommend it. And I'm going to recommend one of the videos to get started with the, which is uh, how overnight shipping works, which is a very interesting one. All right. Thanks, Awesome, for coming on. Uh, it was great to talk to you about ARKit. And just a reminder to our listeners, um, check the show notes for a link to Awesome's uh, Udemy course and the promo code for a pretty good discount on it. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. All right. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.